0: wow i could really use current i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech welcome to shield Selects. select the whole system will be ready in a few minutes take your seat and enjoy
1: Hi. Lynn, thank you so much for being here, and it's a pleasure to meet you virtually. I know we've already talked a little bit going into this, but uh, why don't you give everyone a little snippet of uh, who you are and about your book, and we'll kind of take the party on from there. How about that?
2: We can do that, but I, I have to warn you, I am so old. Chris, that it takes time <laughs> to, to you know, anytime you talk about a bio or resume or anything, it's like, God, it just goes on and on well, and on. What is
1: uh, the read version?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I had my first full-time job in an advertising agency in 1966. And I like to say that because most people by now have seen Mad Men.
1: Oh, I love Mad Men.
2: Right, that was me. I was wearing those clothes. I was doing that stuff. I was um, I had big boobs just like um um which one though so Peggy was the copywriter, huh? right? And Joni, who was it? The, uh anyway, uh that's what we looked like and that's what we did. And so that was nineteen sixty six for me. And uh New since York then,
1: or Hollywood, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What's that? Is it New York or Hollywood?
2: That was um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I grew up in L.A. and yep. it was Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, I I was working in the garment district in downtown Los Angeles. That was my first real actual job. Uh, I went to UCLA. Um, nice. It, it, you know, it was great, but it was it seemed kind of stupid to me. I was there for three semesters. Um, and my mother had died and it was the sixties and it all seemed so crazy to be sitting in one of those big, like 500 people lectures, listening to somebody talk about geology and I didn't care, right? I just did not care. I wanted to go and do stuff and be somebody and, um, it's, it's fun to talk about it again. I have a famous friend from those days. Um, he was a gawky freshman when I was a sophomore and he was in my English class. And I thought he was adorable. And we made a nice friendship and we used to meet out on the quad and he would bring me poetry, Frillenghetti poems and all these things that I hadn't been introduced to and I had the best time. And then I left, I went to Europe. And I didn't know until 20 years later, I found out at my high school reunion that I was this big crush and I didn't know it. Um, I, I just, I loved him, but, you know, I was the older woman. I was a sophomore, right? So a year we couldn't like have a thing or anything like that. And um, so when I knew him, his name was Lou Alcindor. And he then became uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, what? Yeah, didn't you know that?
1: I knew he had a different. And I knew he uh, changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but I could not yeah. remember what his
2: his name was. Uh, his birth name was right. And um, as when I, he was just impossibly tall and skinny and very shy and brilliant and so we would talk about he was clearly a good writer and and i met him in english class so we would we would talk about writing in english and philosophy and all those things uh what a wonderful guy interesting interesting guy so 20 years later i found that, and i called his office and just and um oh, well, the way i found out was he wrote about me in his first book which is called i think giant steps um and um I went to my high school reunion and somebody said hey so you're the one in the book and I'm like what book and he said you know what didn't you know Kareem Abdul I said well yeah but uh and he said well I think you ought to go get his book I'm like damn (laughs) um (laughs) I mean, it was college, it was the 60s You know, come on You don't ever think anybody's going to write about Sure Right, what and, you did. And do. arguably
1: one of the best players Ever played professional basketball, yeah
2: Well, so I ran out and got the book And read it And it was just this really sweet piece um, About the time that we had together And and uh, so I, I went back to my office By that time I was working in San Jose in an advertising agency. And so I called his office and said, just tell him, thank you. Tell him, you know, Lynn called and and she said, you're the one in the book. like, Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, but just tell him that I'm really, you know, that thank you. That was very sweet. So about a half an hour later, he called me and um, it was it was great because we were both between marriages um, and we had some time together and to get to know each other again. Uh, he had kids. I had kids. Uh, and I got to because I never knew a damn thing about basketball. I'd never been to a basketball game in my life. Yeah. And um,
1: our, our greatest coaches, too. And, at UCLA, too, at that time. So oh, that, yeah.
2: It was, was amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I did, I wasn't my world. I didn't care. That I, wasn't, I
1: that. I understand.
2: you know, wasn't what I was doing. So, uh, and I've never been a professional sports fan or a high school sports fan, I was an artiste, you know. I get that. So, um, I went to my first professional ball games, and uh, that was really sweet. We had a, a good time together, and um, and then he went on to his life, and I went on to my next life. Uh, but I just if if you ever had any doubt about what a great man he is, he is truly a great man. I've
1: never had a doubt based on. He's me. a
2: brilliant, brilliant guy, yeah, deeply yeah. thinking, feeling guy.
1: Just what little I know about him, obviously, just what I've seen in articles, podcasts, you know, yeah. ESPN or whatever. Yeah. He like, I think he was at the Super Bowl too. That just he just seems like a, you know he has deep thoughts. He just doesn't talk no. to talk. You know, he actually he does. Uh, he actually thinks about things or topics or what's going on. He's
2: a brilliant man. And it's so interesting to think about how we are shaped and colored by our costume that we come to earth with. Right. I mean, I remember the first really well seeing him for the first time and just going, wow, what is it like to be so long and so tall that you can't fit in a chair yeah. In a classroom, you know. And so here he was gifted with this amazing body and height and mind. And isn't it interesting what he did with it? Uh you know, we and and here I am, this sort of pint-sized um person.
1: Um I, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might be five, six, five, seven on a tall day, but
2: <laughs> well, you're tall to me, honey. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I'm, I've always been fascinated with that. Like what we do with this uniform, whatever it is that, that we are gifted this time around.
1: Like the conscious that you're given in your body and that and and gifts that you may receive and just what you choose to do with it in your life. Yeah.
2: Many of which we're unaware of too. You know, we don't even think of them as a gift or a talent or anything. Um, so I don't know, where were we? We were talking about history and background. So I left UCLA and I uh, went on and had a, uh, I wanted to work and, and I did work. I worked as an illustrator. I worked as an actress, as a makeup person, as a uh, kind of, in those days, women, there were a lot of limitations on yeah. what you could do and where you could go. So my friends and I did what was available to do. And I was in LA, so there was a movie industry and my friends typically were in some form in the movie industry. So I'd get a call from somebody, do you do makeup? Yeah, I do makeup. And off I'd go, you know. Um, and I spent some time sitting on the beach, smoking and drinking Red Mountain wine and, you know, playing poker. Um,
1: playing poker? Did a lot of
2: that. Oh yeah, you know. I
1: would've ever pegged you for that one.
2: Hey. Uh, threaten me. <laughs> but that- we'll call your bluff, honey. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, life and I wound up as uh, getting a job as a weather person at the NBC affiliate in Wilmington, North Carolina. Hey. And, well, yes. And so I have the distinction of being the worst weather person ever. I think in broadcast news ever. Um, and if you were there and you saw it, you'll know that I'm telling the truth. So this was in like 1971. What do you
1: mean? Why was it so bad?
2: I didn't know shit about weather. Nothing. I had I had thought I was getting a, a, a news desk. Uh. Because I had been a journalist. I'd been working on a, a legal newspaper in LA and say no, 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 you do weather. What? Because um, you know, girl, good-looking
1: right? girl, right? And you said you had big boobs earlier. Yeah, but also being a weather person, that it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. Nobody really takes fault into that. Like, well, they got it wrong. All right,
2: okay. But the week I got there, they had the worst storm they'd had in a hundred years. Oh, so all of a sudden, weather mattered. It was a thing. And here was this bimbo, right, who who couldn't help them at all. So anyway, so life went on. I, I married, I had three little ones. Um, I had married badly. Um, right. He, what, do
1: you, what do you mean you married badly? Well,
2: he was a tall, good looking, fast talking, three piece suit. But what I didn't know was he had been a Marine and he did two tours in Vietnam. Okay. And like a lot of men, he came back, or a lot of people, I think there were women too involved, but he came back, changed his clothes on the plane, never talked about it again. Just put it, because we were protesting, it was an unpopular war, he, you know. And here's a word that I've learned recently, Chris, it's a good one, we can talk about this more, maybe in another show. It's called moral injury. It's what happens, when you do something that you feel is your duty or your responsibility, but that is immoral, that is highly against your sense of morality.
0: Yeah.
2: So think about those boys in that jungle uh, and they were given beer and dope and weapons and trained to use them. And most of them went because they wanted to be John Wayne, they wanted to be heroes and they wanted to do the right thing. And then they got over there and they were killing women and children. They were lighting things on fire. They were, you know, it was a a nightmare. And in the worst way. So they came back. You don't ever lose. That's part of you now.
1: Yeah. It's it's with you forever.
2: Yeah. And so like so many, um, he began to just unravel and started doing crazy things and disappearing. And he became obviously a risk for me and for my three little tiny ones. So you think
1: PTSD. I'm sorry to cut you off. But you're thinking well, PTSD for sure.
2: Well, and that's what you call it. But at the time, this guy is just nuts. You know, he's, he's just one minute he's this. And then the next minute, literally, he had a chainsaw and cut my house in half in the middle of January with a chainsaw. Because he got... Upset. Uh-huh. Three babies. Um, so I realized that I was gonna die, my kids were gonna die if I stayed. And so I told him I was going on a vacation, I was gonna go see my sister. And I got on the train with my three, with what they could carry, what I could carry, and we came to California. Yes, uh, and I lived lived in a driveway. Um and lied my way into freelance work Um, I had a a good book we called it in those days of the ads that I'd done and so on and I landed in Silicon Valley 1980 which was if you will recall just when the microcomputer had become a thing Uh, and so I think Here's another historical note. I think I have the distinction of being the first person to write advertising copy in at least California on an Apple II, on a computer, what? microcomputer. Uh, so I, I arrived at the agency with this uh, and my sister had taught me how to use it. And I was like, no, no, it's a computer. I can't do that. She said, you're going to do this because you have to do this. And so it started me on this whole different trajectory a new career Mm -hmm. um, of being one of the people who interpreted technology for the general public in other words here were all these companies making things like modems and nobody knew what the hell a modem was right Right. we don't know what they are
1: (laughs) no i I, I do know what they are i'm working working IT. so all right (laughs) yeah
2: so, so my job was translating for the general public. Like you need this because it does this. And, uh, and, and so I was the kind of go between, between the engineers that said, well, you don't need to tell them anything, you know, just tell them it's faster and better. And I, no, no, we need to explain what they do and why you want them, yeah. whatever. Cause it was just, just this whole strange new world of computers.
1: Was one of those things that people probably didn't ever think computers were going to take off. So why like why the hell do I need this? Or right. know, who can you know?
2: Men would not put their fingers on a keyboard. Because in 1980, oh, the me. only people who put their fingers on keyboards were women, were secretaries. Yeah. Lesser people. Yeah. So we had a hell of a job to retrain guys that no, no, it's cool keyboards are cool,
0: mm-hmm. you'll
2: be okay. You know, Shove her out of the way, you put your fingers on the keyboard, you're gonna love it. And so it took, I don't know, five, 10 years before people started going, oh yeah, it's cool. I have power now, I have control. And, and even the art directors that I worked with and, and the photographers, they, they were not gonna to touch, comp- it's like computer, are you crazy? Right, and these big time, Creative types out of LA and New York by this time had uh, come into town, and they thought, "Okay, it's fine to, to talk about this and write about this, but you don't expect us to use those things, do you?" So it was quite a revolution in many ways, and still going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're you know, well, not when I say we, I mean I'm not fighting the battle, I guess, but yes, you know, it's a it's almost a narrative, just like you're saying that you know, women are just, you know, below men. And, you know, like you just said, men shouldn't have to do certain types of work or whatever, you know, and like, for example, secretaries, I mean, that's a cultural narrative is when somebody says secretary, they, most people I would think I'm generally speaking would think, Oh, that's a women's position.
2: Yep. But it's so
1: not the case. here
2: I am getting my revenge.
1: And now I look at you You're on zoom meetings, <laughs> writing books Doing podcasts, doing big things.
2: Well, it's fun because I'm 75 now. Really, really? Now you I just gave look, you a you timeline. You didn't 70, do the math
1: great for 75.
2: You did not do the math. Whoa. No,
1: I was trying to listen to what you were saying. I ain't trying to do huh. 15 different things in my head. But yeah, you yeah. look great for 75, though. I'm impressed.
2: Well, thank you. Um, but the point is, people think of 75 as being this kind of over the hill, you know, kind right. of old. I'm here to tell you that I've never been so happy that you too will have a great time and love it. If you do what I tell you to do. Oh yeah. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. If you're ready.
2: Okay. It's all right there in that book.
1: Brownies for breakfast.
2: Brownies for breakfast. It's all about, well, actually, it's about creating a network, a loving network. That's the guarantee that you will be happy when you're 75. This is science based. I'm not making this up. If you have friends, family, people around you that you love and care about, that is a, a big guarantor of your happiness as a 75 and plus year old. But the other big guarantor is if you are healthy, if you are healthy, chances are excellent that you're going to be happy and also that you will be financially in better shape, good enough shape because people your age, my dear, don't think about how much it will cost you to be unhealthy. You know, you're still in the immortal phase of your life. Like nothing can happen to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, sometimes
1: sometimes i think that for the most part but yeah
2: and if you ever come to imagine your demise do you ever do you ever think about how you're going to die
1: uh a lot it's one of my biggest fears is that does it involve
2: flames and things blowing
1: up it's no nothing like that it's just more of you know when you're talking 75 and just when people say like oh you're over the hill you might as well just go ahead and get on your deathbed Mm -hmm. but it's more of just like you know what will life be like you know i'm 36 or 30 now i'm 35 i will be 36 Mm -hmm. 40 years from now and Mm -hmm. you know and you know talking about healthcare and how much it costs you know i was doing a little research and that the cdc i think said that and I think it was 2017, 2018, that if you have, and I know you, the reason you wrote the book was part of diabetes and stuff, and that if you have diabetes, it's $14,000 a year in healthcare costs, I think. could be I could be misquoting that, but it was something. Like,
2: if you're uh, on insulin, it's probably double that.
1: Right. And uh, maybe, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, when I think about it, it's like, man, you know, and that's part of the reason I've always tried to live a healthy lifestyle and kind of. Watch what I eat for the most part. And this, you know, I want to move. I want to be able to be 75 years old and doing exactly what you're doing right now, you know, free, independent, you know, yes. great sound body and mind and yeah. all that good stuff.
2: And I can dance. Oh, yeah. Can you dance?
1: Uh, I mean, I dance, but I mean, it might be just a matter of judgment on who it well or is it? Good, but <laughs> I
2: didn't not. say I danced well. Okay, okay. I like
1: to dance though. But yeah, like a wedding. Okay, you?
2: there you go. And I do Pilates three times a week, and and love it. And and you know, I got a treadmill over here. I mean, beaches away. But yes, if you are moving, that's a huge, huge part of it. Doesn't have to be Pilates. Doesn't have to be working out. Yeah. Just moving your buns, walking. Walking, walking, walking is great. So that's one of the pillars for sure. But now I'm going to ask you some personal questions. Are you ready? Yeah, that's fine. I'm Can gonna, we talk about you for a minute? Yeah, that's fine. This is what this podcast okay, is about. Eat, do you eat sugar?
1: Uh, i limit my sugar, but do I eat sugar? Yes, but it's very, it's not very rare, but on weekends usually, so six days a week I work out, but on my sheet, cheat days, yeah. I'll throw it do down. you
2: read the label on every single packaged food that you eat? Mm, no. Okay, you're eating sugar all the time, um, and you don't know it. Well, there is literally sugar in every packaged food that you eat, with very no, few exceptions. I don't
1: eat a lot. Of, well, mo- most of my diet is nuts, fruits, vegetables, a lot of meat, um, and okay. that's what, so when it comes to packaged what, food, yeah. I do,
2: where are you getting your meat? What kind of meat are you eating?
1: I try to eat as much grass fed beef as I can. From where? Uh, well, when around here, we have to, it's whatever I can get at the grocery store. But which is, I know it's not always, it's pure. Could just okay. be okay.
2: Because I want to congratulate you for knowing that that's what you need. But I want to ask you to be more careful about it because marketing wise now, everybody's saying, yeah, grass fed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's no, the, no, no, that was no, no, no. That's
1: my point. That yeah. But it says that doesn't. Ultimately, hundred percent.
2: No, you need to know who raised that beef, where that beef was raised, mm-hmm. and hopefully have a first name for, if not the steer, the farmer. Right. Um, because there's just so much BS, <laughs> appropriate word, uh, in the market right now about it. But yeah, you you need if you're going to eat animals, they need to be the lean animals that have grazed their whole lives. Not just had grass waved over them so they could put a label on that says grass fed.
1: Sure, I agree hundred percent. You know, I, I'm I don't agree with factory farming by any means. I mean, you've watched the videos, I've watched the videos, and it's atrocious. But
2: yeah, for I mean, the animals and for you too.
1: Correct. Yeah, because you don't, you know, whatever they're feeding the, I guess you know, all grain basically. But um, crap, I forgot my point. But I mean, well, the
2: antibiotics, all the crud that they put in those critters. And and so I'm so I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions. So okay. we've talked about sugar mm-hmm. because I'm I'm gonna challenge you to totally quit. I want you to totally, totally quit. And here's the rationale. It is addictive. Do you know that? You know oh, yeah. that. Sure. Sugar is truly not metaphorically, it is biologically addictive. Sure. You're addicted. And so if you said to me that you were addicted to heroin and I said, Mm-mm. and then you said to me, but I'm going to cut back. What would I say to you?
1: Probably how- about
2: cutting back on heroin.
1: Like how much are you going to cut back? Or are you really? going No, cut-
2: I'd say bullshit. That's the stupidest thing i ever heard. <laughs> you don't cut back on heroin. You quit you go cold turkey, you get you go into rehab, you substitute some other chemical, but you can't cut back on a highly addictive substance. It just doesn't work like that. So I'm gonna challenge you to totally quit sugar. Oh, you're making a face at me, no, no. Okay, I'm gonna challenge you to totally quit sugar and I'm gonna encourage you to keep making sure if you eat meat, I want you to know that it's okay meat. Yeah. Okay. And I want you to quit dairy. Can you quit dairy?
1: Yeah, that's not a problem. I've my, if any dairy at all in my diet is hardly... No better.
2: cheese?
1: Extra none. Little cheese, maybe, but that's it's rare.
2: Okay, no more cheese. Okay. Okay. And and you're eating tons of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most,
1: most of my meals are just meat and vegetables.
2: Okay, so we're good.
1: Yeah, mostly meat, but then with little vegetables.
2: That's all I want for everybody. The only difference is, and the reason I wrote a book called Brownies for Breakfast is for people to know that they can eat brownies and donuts and cakes and pies and and all kinds of things and savory things, macaroni and cheese, if you make them yourself or have your beloved make them for you Mm -hmm. and you make them out of good food, the way I, I will explain in the book how to do it it's simple um you will add 30 good years to your life i agree 30 years and that's science-based i'm not, I'm not making it up yeah no i agree yeah I've, i'm 100 with you
1: that's okay. all about what we're putting in our uh in our bodies you know day in and day out but you know i think there's an issue with maybe the cultural narrative and with the standard American diet that the know, sad
2: diet. I love that yeah, standard they, American diet. It's yeah.
1: that it just, it's, you know, with people like, there seems to always be in a rush and I'm generally speaking, of course, but you know, that's why they go to Wendy's or go to Mac, you know, McDonald's right. just grab that. And then that's why factory farming exists Just grab that apparently 10% right. beef all patty or whatever they promote in their campaigns. And like, Oh, dinner is served. I fed a family for four for 20 bucks, you know,
2: well, not anymore.
1: <laughs> but all true.
2: Particularly since 1980, the statistics are just horrifying that the number of people who don't cook at all, who the only meals that they eat are drive-through meals, fast food. And every single meal that you eat that's like that is a meal where you have not been nourished in any way. Right. Like, you're better off not eating anything.
0: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there wow (laughs) i could really use current (laughs) i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech the new super beats heart shoes advanced is now supercharged with coq10 support your healthy coq10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com, and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
2: And in fact, that's a whole other discussion, because now a lot of us are talking about intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. which only means skipping a meal once in a while, which is, again, when you look at the science now on longevity, on diabetes, on chronic disease, The best treatment, which is totally different than I was told. I've been diabetic since I was in my 40s and controlled. Um, And I controlled it by keeping my weight down, not eating a lot of carbs, not eating sugar and so on. But there's some new information out there in the last five to 10 years. It's fascinating. And one of the things is that the best science, the best results that uh, anyone gets with reversing. and I'm putting quotes around it, but really managing diabetes is with uh, intermittent fasting, i.e., not three meals a day. You yeah. limit the time in the day that you eat, and that can be a six-hour window or an eight-hour window. And in, and I particularly uh, am a proponent of the Ayurvedic method which is you eat when the sun is high which is when your your guts are active and steaming and they're ready to digest and it's the energetic part of your day and that's when your body is ready to receive food middle of the day okay when the sun starts to fade when the day is going away you're done you need to be finished eating in the afternoon at some point in my life, it's three or four in the afternoon. Sometimes a little earlier. Every once in a while, a little later. But you don't need to after dark. You don't even eat when it's getting dark, because your body is your circadian rhythm. Another great subject is dictating through your you are receiving signals from the light that's available. That's saying, okay, slow it down. Because there's a whole other set of processes that need to take place in your body. Uh, one of my new favorite words, autophagy. You like that one?
1: I do like that one. Never heard of it. Great that
2: word. One. What it means is what the cells do in your brain, particularly at night, when they're done doing everything else, ostensibly. When it's not, there's no more food coming through, you're not exercising, you're done. Yeah. You're asleep. And so now the road crew comes out, right? It's like a freeway. The cars are gone, everybody's gone home. Now the road crew comes out and with the shovels and the stuff and the brooms and they and the hoses and they clean everything out for you. One they're now calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. Do you know that?
1: No. I've never I haven't heard that yet.
2: Because it's a couple of things that have been indicated as real problems that result in Alzheimer's. One is sugar. I agree. And two is lack of sleep because your body only heals when you're in deep sleep. Are we, are we and this autophagy only takes place when you're resting, when you're sleeping. And without that cleaning, You've got gunk, you know you have you have a i mean that's people understand what that means if you don't clean your car if you don't clean your house if you don't you know you're gonna have problems right
1: yeah you get time. gunk yeah
2: and you've been getting gunk in your brain uh if you have not been truly resting and what happens when you throw a pizza down at eleven o'clock at night I've seen you I know what you do um <laughs> Not only are you eating crappy food, most likely, because it's white processed white flour and it's preserved meat. Preserved meat is a poisonous food in many ways. It's highly carcinogenic. Pepperoni, sorry. And cheese. So you throw that down at 11 o'clock at night and your cleaning crew goes, wait, wait, we got some stuff coming through here. And, you know, everybody has to stand back for the pizza to come through. So the cleaning doesn't get done. And it's a simple thing, isn't it? It's just, it's like, yeah, what a grandma thing to be telling people, but people don't seem to understand that they net, they need to let their body rest, really rest. And that means no food, no booze, no drink, and no crazy bright things blowing up on a screen Mm -hmm. either. Because that really confuses your eyeballs and your the circadian rhythm stuff, so if you want to be seventy five or eighty and mean and having fun and you know healthy
0: yeah.
2: you gotta you gotta get with that program now
1: well. You know, I agree 100% with with everything you're saying, but I think people, like we were talking about cultural narratives and social narratives, people just don't care anymore. You know, they work their nine to five. They might be miserable at their job. So when they get off work, they go get that, you know, milkshake and a burger and then like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm great now. This is fine. Then they go home and redo it all again. You know, Then they stay up all night watching Netflix and whatever. Then they get mad at themselves or they get mad at, you know, said person just because they're mad they're not losing weight or they're not as healthy as they plan to be. And then something happens and they're like, Oh, you know, I don't understand why this is happening to me. You,
2: you know? never think it's going to be you.
1: Exactly. And then it does. And then you're like, Oh, then you need to sit back and hopefully one thing with this pandemic and quarantine or whatever that people can sit back. And one thing I know I've done it you reflect, like, all right, hold on. What have I been doing the past couple of years? You know, what was my diet like, you know, have I been moving? You know, How much time have I been you know, binge watching Netflix or, you know, doing, you know, whatever stuff that you could be better bettering yourself on. And, but, you know, and I've always, you know, I've said it on a couple of times that, you know, time is the one thing that money doesn't buy any more of, you know, mm-hmm. there might be a couple of one things, but that's one of the biggest things. And like, we're talking about that when I get, you know, to be 75, you know, I, I crossfit it, you know, six days a week, Love it, I, you know. It's changed my life. I've been doing it for eight years now. But I, I've always said to people down there, when I'm seventy-five. I, hopefully I'm still doing muscle ups and picking up two sure. and stuff like that." And just, sure. but a lot of it comes outside what you're doing outside of the gym, not only inside but outside. And it kind of mostly people it starts with your diet. What are you putting in your body? Like you've been talking about.
2: Yep, and I want you to put your feet in the dirt.
1: Oh, take your shoes off and walk. You mean?
0: Yeah,
2: I want you to. To get the the magnetic energy from the earth, um, it's good to have contact with the soil. It's good also to have contact first thing in the morning with the sun. Uh, not inside your house, not coming through a window, but just step outside and and actually get some of the sun's radiation on your skin. Sure. Because what that that's sending signals to your body that it's time to go it's time to do it's let's energy up let's learn and too many of us spend our lives in these cages in um environments where there is no there are no trees there's no life uh and we spend our life in shoes uh some of us like me have to be careful that we um don't i mean i have had plantar fasciitis which is something that happens to many of us when we get a little older sure. uh, and so you need to have a supportive shoe um but it's okay to take your shoes off and walk in the sand or in the dirt uh, as much as you can uh and you know listen to some birds and 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 what we're finding out about the trees is mind-blowing. Are you following all the new science about what goes on in those trees underneath the ground, connecting with the other trees? Do you know about this, Chris? No.
1: uh, the, The only thing I've been really keeping track on is that, you know, actually trees and plants have more of a conscious that, and I want to say conscious that we're more aware of just because that, I forgot where I read it at or saw it at or heard it at, but, like if a caterpillar was eating leaves on a plant or whatever, another plant beside it would immediately tr- start to change its, I guess, taste or I don't know if that's the right word. They react. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they react to it and they're listening. It's like, oh man, I don't want nobody to eat me. So I'm going to change that. You know, I taste like trash. So, but, but as well, as stuff, I don't know. I
2: live here at the edge of the redwoods, as you know, it's beautiful, it is gorgeous, but it's also kind of magical because these trees are old and they, and I'm, I'm reading about this stuff like crazy now, but they have found, and it was, by the way, women who did the science on this, they have found that there are fungal networks under the ground that go for miles. There are hub trees that are the grandma trees who feed other trees, who talk to other trees, who send all kinds of signals out, about what's going on, and and they are managing the forest all around them. And they're very aware when somebody gets cut down or when somebody's sick, whatever. And they're also finding that up in the upper story of these trees, there is soil that is growing other plants up in these trees. Did you know that? No. Who knew that? Um there's a whole other layer of forest and growth and plants and animals up there. Interesting. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah, I
1: would have never even thought that.
2: No, but and then underneath this fungal network, it's literally like an internet going among all the trees and it's it's fungi and of course you see the mushrooms when they come up out of the the dirt, but underneath it's miles and miles and miles of this stuff. And it's a communication network. And it's the mama trees, the grandma trees, um, that are sending out the messages and trying to protect their babies. And um, and when you're here in the redwood forest, you and you and you know that and you walk back, you can see it. You know, you can almost hear it, you can feel it. They are so magical and they give off all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, I think they're trying to get rid of us, frankly. And I think they're trying to get rid of us with hay fever, <laughs> with allergies.
1: Oh, oh, trust me. I know how that goes. Springtime every year. <laughs>
0: right. right.
1: Um, sounds like the movie Avatar that you're talking about where
2: everything's... A little bit. Down. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like that. I, I remember that movie. I was like, whoa. Movie. Because <laughs> you when you're near these trees first of all they're so huge the old ones and where i live there's some old growth redwood and they're giants you know they're they're really really giants but they came through and and clear cut a lot of this a hundred and some years ago and where they clear cut a whole circle of trees grows up out of the stump yeah babies grow and those babies are now 100 feet tall um, it, it, come and see us. It, you haven't seen I it.
1: Lo- I would love to. I've never been out to California, but I would yeah. love to
2: check that out. You need out. to walk in those trees.
1: But I want to ask that you know, uh, with your book, and you talked about mushrooms earlier, and I've been reading a lot about that, and there's a lot of science that seems to be coming out now about the positivities of you know, like uh, lion's making and chaga. Great food. Uh, They're great food. And I think uh, I think Johns Hopkins did a study with using psilocybin with. Uh, UFC fighters and people suffering from uh, PTSD, like we talked about earlier. I mean, are you using that too with your ingredients, or in a book? Um, so in
2: what? my book, there is a recipe, and my stuff is really classic. I mean, it's it's very sort of grandma stuff, purposefully because I I wanted people to feel that it was familiar. You know, there was nothing strange or weird about it. It's a lot of the same dishes. So, and I cook like a Italian grandma or a French grandma. One of my favorite recipes is mushroom soup, which and people don't know how simple this is. You take a bunch of mushrooms and you cut up an onion and you put it in a pan with a little bit of olive oil or a little bit of vegan butter and you saute it. And then you add, and I use of course vegetable broth if you wanted to use chicken broth i suppose you could but i use vegetable broth
0: yeah.
2: and you cook it for an hour and then you throw it in a blender and you keep the lid on the blender tight so it doesn't blow up um and you make this creamy mushroom soup and then you put a, a splash of whiskey in it and some salt and it it, it and you and you go wait that's all you do for this soup. Yes. It's magic. It's magic. And mushrooms are magic food. They're, they're really great for you. They have a lot of properties that are kind of unique in, in terms of nutrition to the mushroom. But um, I, I gave the recipe to this attorney friend of mine and uh, I think I tell this story in the book too, cause it just knocked me out. I thought it was so funny. And he said, Lynn, I did it. I made the soup and it was so easy and you were right. And it was amazing. It was so good. But you didn't tell me how good it was. And I ate the whole recipe. I <laughs> ate all of it and I didn't feel so good. It's like, right. It's meant for like five people. right? And you ate it all. But this is people who don't cook, which is most of us now. You cook.
1: I do. I try to cook my okay. meals during the week. Yeah.
2: Okay. People who don't cook don't understand how easy and kind of foolproof it is to make good stuff. It's not hard. It's really easy. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it, the only way you will be healthy, the only way you will really nourish yourself is in the kitchen. You got to cook. Yeah. You have to. You can't buy it. You can't do DoorDash even. Restaurants, love y'all, I I want you in business, but the way they make everything taste so good is with a ton of butter, ton of salt. Of course. You know, all this stuff that is not, I mean, once in a while, okay. But the only way you're really gonna be healthy and perky as a 75 year old or as a 40 year old, um, the only way you will keep your erectile function And I think you probably want that. Of course, is to cook real food. Yeah, mostly plants, not too much. That's it. Michael Pollan, love him. That's what he said. It's true.
1: You know, I mean, you know, I cook. I I probably, I, you know, the way I explain it, I eat almost every meal is almost the same thing for me, and. Yeah. And just because it, it works for me, you know, I know it works and it works for my body and I feel good during my workouts. And and then like on the weekends is when I kind of splurge a little bit and get enough sugar or maybe have a few glasses of whiskey that you were just talking about earlier, but um yeah, can it be better? Yes, of course. You always do better, but you know, it's just like, we were talking about earlier. It's just so easy for somebody to go get DoorDash and they're like, no, I'm not going to spend 20 or 30 minutes to cook and, Then And and then some people, you know, they, oh, I can't cook. It's like, well, yes, you can. And, you know, I had an argument with, it wasn't really an argument, but just kind of a conversation like we were having that they were talking about, well, you know, cooking and baking is pretty hard. I can follow a recipe. I mean, it's not, it's just a matter of taking the time and doing it. It's just a matter of, do you really want to do it? Or do you just want to go get?
2: These brownies, the brownies of the title brownies for breakfast are one bowl, about six ingredients. You throw it in the bowl, you, stir it up, you put it in a pan, and they're a meal. And they're made from nut butter, pumpkin, monk fruit as a sweetener, which is just, it's real food. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great sweetener. And I also use um, chicory root and some other things. Uh, Some cocoa, some baking powder. uh, What am I forgetting? Eggs or egg substitute, boom, in the bowl, in the oven, and each one is like low-carb, low-calorie, like 130 calories a piece for a brownie. Yeah. And it's made out of nuts and pumpkin. And I guarantee you, I could slap those puppies down on any potluck, anywhere in this country, even Virginia. I love it. On Sunday, and people would go, oh my goodness, Ms. hat, those are just <laughs> delicious. How <laughs> in the world did you make those, honey? And they wouldn't believe it if I told them.
1: Oh. No. no, of course not. You know, yeah. I, I want to circle back a little bit and just because I'm curious that you now when did you get, you know, you were talking about you were did you get diagnosed with diabetes in your 40s? Is that what you said?
2: I did. I had gestational diabetes, which is common. When women become pregnant, sometimes it throws their body into a diabetic state. Okay. okay. And they told me when my son, my first child was born, 1975, 75, that I would most likely become diabetic, type 2 diabetic, when I got a little older. So when I was looking at 40, I started asking to be tested. And they go, oh, no, you're not overweight, you're young, you know, I had to beg for somebody to give me a hemoglobin A1C Test, which I hope you're starting to get pretty soon. Maybe you're a little young, but when you're in your forties, you you want to have that as part of your annual um, exam. And a hemoglobin A1C tells you what your average blood glucose is over a period of time. So it's an accurate picture of how your body is dealing with um, sugar. And, so when I was tested in my early 40s, sure enough, I was in just barely into diabetic range. And so because I had this passion, I I wanted to stay alive for my kids. I wanted to be able to raise my children. Um, I was determined I was going to stay healthy and I was going to do whatever I had to do to stay healthy, which meant exercising. I mean, and if you're diabetic, really, the way you clear glucose out of your system is to walk is to move. That's what gets that glucose out of your system. Uh, and that's the pretty much the only way that you will immediately reduce your blood glucose. So you don't take it in, you try to be very careful about what you're taking in. And then you also exercise to manage it once it's in your body. So um, yeah, I've been doing that since I was in my early 40s. Uh, and then then I went to a conference in 2019 and had my mind blown because I watched PowerPoints for five days from these docs from all over the world, the Plantricians Conference. And it was guys like Dean Ornish and T. Colin Campbell, uh, you know, big name uh, nutrition, natural nutrition guys from all around. And, and a lot of uh, surgeons, you know all these different kinds of of practices came together to talk about the fact that diabetes and heart disease both are largely a problem that result from animal fat. Really, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Because I'd been eating meat like a crazy, you know, uh, that was what we, uh, you don't, you don't eat carbs, Mm. so you eat meat. Yeah. Right. And cheese and stuff. And so after that, at the end of that conference, I was vegan. And I did an experiment with myself for one six month period. I had just had my numbers done and my husband was in, he said, okay, I'm in. And so we just used ourselves as an experiment of two. And I mean I was already eating healthy, right? I buy a lot of measures. But for 6 months I did not eat one bite of any kind of animal food. And guess what? My hemoglobin A1C came down 3 points.
0: That's So impressive.
2: I was a convert uh, and so i've i've now I do eat some fish. I eat some salmon and some shrimp, not a lot. it's a okay. treat, and that's the only animal food and I do eat eggs, okay uh, but that's the only animal food I eat. I don't eat dairy um, and the the good news is I wasn't desperate to lose weight, but I lost like fifteen pounds,
1: yeah. It just happens automatically.
2: It it just goes away,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which if you're diabetic, it's good to be skinny. I mean, you know, that it,
0: should, it, yeah.
2: it, it puts you in a better place. And most of the endocrinologists are fond of saying, you know, if you will just get back to weighing what you ate in high school or whatever, just get your weight down as far as you can get it. And I realized that the way to do that is just don't eat animal fat. Mm-hmm. Easy. That's it. And I eat food. I don't limit what I eat. I don't write down what I eat. I don't measure calories. No. I don't count carbs, none of that. I just eat good food, mostly plants. No, and you may ones. know this, you're a meat eater, but if you are eating nutrient dense food, vegetables, whole food, fruits, no. you can't overeat. No
1: yeah quality over quantity for sure
2: you just can't you get to a certain point your body goes okay good
0: there we go we're good
2: yeah so it's the best weight loss program in the world it's you don't have to think about it you just don't eat crap
1: yeah i mean it's pretty simple when you come down to it i mean it's very simple yeah but people like we were just saying earlier and just people don't want to use that they just want to do their own thing but lynn i want to be Respectful of your time. I know I ain't got you for a little bit. So, uh, well, you're gonna
2: have to have me back. That's the deal.
1: I would love it. I would love it okay. because I know we got you. Ha- you have excellent stories, and I, know I mean, we- I
2: have stories. We got go so many stories. stories,
1: but um, I, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. So, before we Thank get you. off here, tell everyone how they find you, how they find the book, okay. or anything else you want right. to say. And okay, you
2: know. website lynnbowman.com. It's L Y N N E bowma sign up for lynn's list it's on the front page and i'll send you good recipes when i'm inclined not all the time i'm lazy um, but uh, sometimes i just really want to share stuff it's too good to keep to myself so i will uh, send you stuff if you sign up and also there's a there's a little place where you can contact me and i love it when you send me pictures of your brownies that you made or your pumpkin pie that you made for my recipe or ask me questions. I'm always tickled when people want to get in touch with me about their eating and their, uh, and whatever has happened because of the book. Um, that's why I wrote it. I don't want it sitting on a shelf. I want you using it. I want it open in your kitchen. And by the way, it's really pretty. It's, I, I have a wonderful designer that I work with, Elise Huffman. It's a beautiful book full of photographs. You can have a sneak peek at my kitchen and um, my house and, and my dogs. They're in there. Uh, there's a picture of a weasel, too. And I think this is the only cookbook I know of that has a picture of a weasel in it. I'm not sure. But um, the book is Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. So that's everybody in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. My author name is Lynn Parmitter Bowman. So you can search that. So middle name, P-A-R-M-I-T-E-R. But if you just search Lynn Bowman, get the E on Lynn, you'll find me, uh, and, um, yeah, website, lynnbowman.com. That's easy. I've got a YouTube page. You'll find that.
0: Uh, It's you. Yeah. I'm out there, you know?
1: I'm impressed. So, all right. Well, this was great. This was this was very great. Thank you again for being here. And it was a pleasure to meet you. This was great.
2: I'm so happy to meet you. And, and I can't wait to do it again.
1: Good. And we'll set that up. All right. Okay. Everyone, we're out of here. Be good to yourselves. All that good stuff. Brownies for breakfast. Go get it. <laughs>